Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. Super sweet crack pie sounds like the perfect um, parlay into this week's episode. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Funny Books and Firewater. We are on week three of I Hate Fairyland, the spirit of Elena in comic book form, except for with green hair um, and without the glasses, but uh, we can change that. Um, and uh, let's see. So we have with us uh, Lena, we have Adam, we have Todd, we have me, I am Brian. Um, y'all say hi. Uh, I plowed through that way too quickly for anybody to say anything. I apologize. Um, Yeah. So uh, this week's volume is called good girl where of course you have the worst character in the world, not worse, but a terrible character trying to be good uh, because that always goes so well. And some uh, lovely references to um, some uh, uh, Wolverine Ronin uh, training sequences and whatnot in this. So uh, there's some fun stuff in it, but uh, Mr. Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? Uh, So our cocktail this week is called warm and, fuzzy because that's okay. the whole point of this book is she's trying to be all warm and fuzzy and this one's actually the uh, one thing that she doesn't drink alcohol anymore when she goes good uh-huh. so this one can be done virgin or you can and the, the base is virgin but you can make it alcoholic if you want to uh so this is you're going to make some mold apple cider so you're going to take a half gallon of honey crisp apple cider one orange four cinnamon sticks whole cloves and brown sugar you're going to add uh to a small pan the apple cider you're going to slice the orange into thick slices, and then you're going to stud each orange slice with eight uh, cloves. Throw that with the cinnamon sticks into the pan, simmer for about half an hour. Remove everything, and then adjust the sweetness with brown sugar. Uh, you can take that and simply pour it in a mug and enjoy a nice virgin drink. Or you can add one or two ounces of bourbon or a dark rum, and then put the, the cider on top of that, and you've got your, your alcoholic beverage that will make you warm and fuzzy inside. Nice. That sounds delicious, actually. It is. I, actually, I've only done it once with the alcohol, but I, every <laughs> single Christmas, I always do the, the apple cider. Nice. I made it for my mom one year, and she's like in love with it. So. Well, and Todd has his Christmas tradition as well, which mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the name of that beverage, Todd. What? The cider and the Baron Jaeger honey liqueur? That's it, yes. Is there a name yeah. for it? Todd's cider. Todd's cider? Yeah. Okay. There's um there's a bunch of techs that I work with that have a Christmas party every year, and they have um a friend who, I don't know, they, they call it moonshine. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it's made, but they call it Christmas in a jar. Um, And it tastes like what you would think, you know, Christmas would taste like. It's very tasty, but will also get you fucked up. So I do believe that it is partially moonshine um <laughs> uh, but uh okay i know what my drinking game rule is for this week i'm afraid of people stealing it but i'm going to give uh everyone else a chance lana what is your drinking game rule for this week it's the same as last week poor larry <laughs> um i just every time you read and you're just like damn i just feel really bad for larry i mean yeah. he's chain smoking just to get through his day yeah. i just you know i feel bad so uh larry might actually be one of my favorite characters <laughs> in this, honestly well, and poor um, issue so 13 yeah. oh my god do you ever feel bad for larry mm-hmm. after that one so mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to that. Uh, cool, Mr. Taud. Being good is fluffing hard. So every time she's telling herself, like, I'm trying the shtick. Being good's not easy. Why do I? Ugh, fine. Let's trying to be good. Trying to be yeah. good. You get to take a drink. Nice. Yeah. Mr. Adam. Uh, yeah. So mine is called leftover elbow skin. Every time she refers to Larry's head as a scrotum. That is close. Mm. That was almost what 
my, what, what mine was going to be, mine is semi-similar. Um, I am naming mine after a joke that I sort of pulled or told slightly out of the side of my mouth one day and actually made my father laugh. So oh. um, I'm calling this the Italian suppository. Every time an innuendo is made uh, of a sexual nature or uh, something like that. But yeah, my mom was talking about an innuendo, <laughs> talking about an innuendo. I said, oh, an Italian suppository. And my dad just like, my dad's not a big laugher, but that was one of the biggest laughs I've ever gotten out of my father. <laughs> so, it, terrible old joke, but it's so the whole goes. situation thing. The whole situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Todd, do you want to talk about the situation? I don't know. I'm not that up on, um, what is it, Jersey Shore? I wasn't talking about that situation, but sure. <laughs> I got Adam to shake his head. He did. So yeah, because my, my experience so, with Jersey Shore is the South Park episode. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all good. The, um, yeah, so there's this character here she runs into, and it's interesting with, um, he's got his, uh, is it a merkin, for lack of a better term, that he's wearing? I think it's a cod piece, maybe. I was thinking more cod piece. More that cod was creepy as well, I just thought that this was like, I thought this was like their take on David Bowie from oh, Labyrinth. Oh, okay. I can see that reference. Okay. Sure. Yeah, but well, it's just I, like bright, shiny. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. But yeah, you've got this bright, shiny gold cod piece that looks like there's like four potatoes that's stuffed into there. And he's just strutting out pride as can be, you know, like a, and it's just, and she's like, what's this situation? Like, dude, isn't that awesome? And she's like, ew. And yeah, it's just really funny. The funny thing is, through, I mean, is that whole situation with the guy's situation uh, is right. very similar to some anime style heroes and villains that I've seen recently. And like being my hero academia has a little bit of it, but also so does um, uh, one punch man has some weird, weird superheroes where you're like, I hope you're joking. For the love of God, I hope you're joking. Um, but <laughs> anyway, Todd, yeah, please continue. So yeah, it's just as he's going through here and she has to find his balls and grab it for her to get what she wants. And she's like, you've really got to knock this stuff off. <laughs> and yeah. what was so amusing is he is just so full with the sexual innuendo and she's just having none of it. And what's so funny about it is she's usually the one that does yeah. the innuendo and everything else. And she's like, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. And she's going to someone else and she's like, this isn't, no, no, I yeah. stop. I'm not doing this. Knock it off. Stop. And she just keeps having this thing is like, if I'm not doing it, I don't want you to do it either. Come on. Yeah. Let's get, I'm trying to get home, trying to get home. Don't do this. I'm trying this thing. So, but it really is quite amusing as you're watching it here. Yeah. We have, I have a friend at work who we have a, um, a Twitter for, for all the things like he's a very sweet Christian guy. And so therefore says stuff that he doesn't really realize what he's saying. Um, so we have oh, a awesome. Twitter, we have a Twitter account of stuff uh, that he says, I won't say it on here just to not out him. But um, one of my favorites was you look depressed. Maybe we should get some wood in your hands, uh, which he was saying to a carpenter, which, and he just did not realize what he had said <laughs> at all. Uh, anyway. So yeah, so I'll send it to oh, y'all yeah, in the group. It's, it's very, very fun, but uh, sweetest dude in the world, but definitely says shit. He doesn't realize what he's saying. Oh, that's awesome. That's what makes like Boyle on Brooklyn Nine-Nine one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Boyle so. is one of the most quotable in ways you shouldn't be able to do it. Also, oh, the title, yeah, that's the title uh, of your you sex know, tape. Friends are like, favorites. Oh, that's great. But yeah, everyone's like, boy, do you hear yourself? He's like, no. Passing out his wedding invites. Here's your ice. I'm just giving everyone STDs today. <laughs> <laughs> but that favorite cold open, though, has to be her. He watched that uh, Diana Weiss marathon. He's oh, like, yeah. I was out sick. I had a Weiss infection. And... <laughs> 
And oh, Andy Samberg just has this stone face going, I'm not going to laugh. I'm dying and I'm dead inside from what you say. And then Boyle responds again. It's like, because it rhymes with yeast. And it just cuts to the main credits. And it is just so good. Uh, Lena, what are your thoughts? I feel bad for Larry. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole, so uh, what is the issue 13 where you like, they have this whole conversation where Gertrude's like, your life, you know, what would your life be so terrible without me? Yeah. And then he like passes out because she just keeps talking. And he has this dream sequence of like his life. And you see the point where it's supposed to be Gert, like Gertrude coming in. And, and even Claudia goes, just a tiny case of dismemberment, which means Gertrude already killed someone before she could even yeah. come into fairyland. Yeah. So it's up with happy instead. And that freaking cracked me up. And he even brings up, you know, the girl with the green hair and they're like, Oh, I wouldn't worry about it. And he ends up having this awesome life, but he, you know, lives that sex, drugs and rock and roll. Kind <laughs> of like style. And he, you know, he's on Elfin, who is about a, a perfect depiction of Ellen, yes. honestly, um, <laughs> and her shitty, her shitty ass. And uh, and it's just you see him and and, you know, she's like, I was talking about how terrible your life would be without me. And he was like, yeah, you're probably right. With the cigar <laughs> still hanging out of his mouth. And he's all just like mopey and sad. And I'm just like this poor little bug, man. He is just he's not having a a good time with her. Um, The other part of this that cracked me up was while she's in the maze searching for his um, blue balls. Uh uh, She keeps getting, um, yeah, glowing blue balls. She's, she keeps getting proposed to by everyone. Mm -hmm. And every time they say, you know, will you marry me? She's like, uh, and the guy ends up killing him because he doesn't want her to end up with somebody else. And then she finally gets there and she's like, uh, okay, maybe after I defeat your drag, you can hire a counselor to come and get to the bottom of all the obsessed with very young girls fairy tale stuff <laughs> that you and your goons are obsessed with. And I'm like, God, it's so freaking true. Like, even at the beginning when she's like, I'm a little girl. And Larry's yeah. like, you're probably older than he is. And she's like, but I don't look like I am. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It is really funny how when you, it just made me think of things like um, uh, Aladdin, mm-hmm. where like Jafar was totally obsessed with getting married to Jasmine, but Jasmine's like 17 years old and yeah. he's like 50. And it was, and, and I just love like even the Sultan before he, you know, gets all spelled on or whatever, he's like, or enchanted, he's like, but you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it is true where it's like, what exactly is going on here that this, like, is it just because it's a virginal thing or whatever? So I do like the commentary in this where it's like, y'all need to see a therapist. Like, this is something you need to work out. Like, I don't know what's going on here. So I did really enjoy that. Um, I also like the fact that his, like, dangerous dragon was Duncan that came in. <laughs> yep. And he was just like... Sorry, Dragoon said that he needed me to switch shifts with him. <laughs> I, was just, I, I was dying through most of this. 
Of course, then she grabs them and she turns into this like good Gert. And I was just like, oh, this is even creepier than when she was a homicidal yeah. maniac. Um, so, yeah, I, the whole thing was hilarious. The thing I didn't understand in all of this was that she finally turns good. She's getting ready to leave. And all the like evil people decide that they're going to kill her instead. And I'm like, either way, she's gone. I'm not yeah. entirely sure what the motivation to like kill her was. Sure, uninhibited revenge, probably. I guess. But I'm, I'm well, they made a big point like... to say that she cannot leave Fairyland. And so I was waiting to see what would happen if there was like a prophecy or some shit like in the final one, but it, mm-hmm. not really. Yeah. So that's the whole thing is I was like, they were like, she can't leave. And then, but it's like, okay, I would have much rather seen her walk through the door and end up, you know, in hell instead, rather than being killed and end up in hell. Like, I just feel like, or does she walk through the door and it's just fairyland all over again? And she's like, God damn it, I spent all this time. Like, there are so many good setups in this series that I feel like could have been so much better had they gone in just a minor different direction. It's like these weird, it's like the thing that we said about last volume where she was this, she dreamt up that she was this mm-hmm. evil person. And I'm like, I would have loved to have seen how she got to that, like turning everyone into this like homicidal maniac kind of mentality. And instead it was, everybody else was the same and she was just daydreaming. And it's like, I feel like there was, you had the beginning of it there could have been super interesting. And instead it wasn't. Um, And it's the same thing with this, where it's like, you could have made it really interesting where she walks to the door and realizes that she's stuck here forever. Like there's Mm -hmm. no getting out. Um, I think that would have been, or she walks into a different version of fairyland or, you know what I mean? mean, Like something like that. So it's like, it would have been such a more interesting story um, than her just ending up in hell where it's like when she first shows up, it looks like it's happy, but it's Uh somebody looking like happy or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I don't know. That part was a little like, really after all this, like she (laughs) chokes on a lollipop that pushes her brain out through the back of her head. I'm just like, she's killed everyone. And this is how she goes out. And this is, and it's like right at the end. I'm like, this just feels like a, I don't know, kind of a cop out in some way. Well, also that was just me though. But the, yeah, I think part of it though, too, is that I I think there was a limited timeframe on this. Yeah. Um, and so I think that like, I think all those ideas will have been brilliant if you're going to run the series for 20 years, you know what I mean? And had those all been large storylines, but, uh, Mr. Adam, what are your thoughts? So I keep on going back to the fact that, uh, with the last, last week's episode, how Todd made a point to say that they just hit the reset button Mm -hmm. and kind of started all the stories over. And for me, it almost felt like they did it with this one because the last one ends where she Mad Max comes from the future and says, no, you need to make the other decision. You're doing this wrong, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with her being like, oh, I made the wrong decision again. And then it just kind of just starts over. So it's almost like these are, they're almost like standalone vignettes where there really isn't any kind of crossover. And I guess in, in Fairylands, that's kind of how it goes. I mean, all these fairy sure. tales exist and they, you know, one ends and then a new one starts and it's, it could be similar, like in the same kind of uh, setting, but obviously different characters and stuff so i i really actually did notice it in this one because todd you pointed out in the last one so i was kind of more uh, aware of that kind of thing 
Uh, it is fun though. I mean, right. Especially the end watching her go good. It's like, like Lena, I was like, that's almost scarier. I think it's the eyes, like the, the, the panel where she actually gets the balls and becomes good. Like that is probably one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, Nope, but kept on reading. Uh, and yes, I am standing by the fact that it is a labyrinth reference because the balls that she grabs are like the the glass balls. Yeah. The boy plays oh with. yeah. Like it just kept on screaming no, labyrinth. I agree with you. I didn't catch it originally, and then when you said that, I was like, oh okay. Like that was more there of my realization of like, okay, yeah, that's that's what's going on there. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but yeah, looking through like the, the part with Larry where like he blows the fire and hits him, he's like, oh sorry, Larry, I meant to hit Gert, and he's like, it's cool. Like, <laughs> that's fine. I'm used to it. Yeah. yeah. He's okay. just got to be like the most long suffering like I, I don't blame him for you know the way he feels and then later on of course there's this moments where there he actually does get some of the sweetest moments in the in the story but it's it's just really cool because at the beginning when the, and she's at comic-con and she wants to go see the the big uh viking lady whoever she was uh-huh. and she's there and then she meets like her biggest fan and they're all all about each other but then like she realizes how annoying she is and that's kind of when she's like wait is this how i am larry is this what you've been putting up with for the last 30 years and he just is like dead panning and she's like oh my god this is horrible how could I have been doing this? Uh, I loved the the ninja well, samurais that keep on referring to it right. uh, episode. It's it's very, very uh, uh cinematic. Like you feel mm-hmm, like yeah. you're watching an old school like samurai movie yeah. or or like uh Todd, you said Wolverine or something like that, or Brian, you said that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the what the Wolverine mm-hmm. what is it? This is it the Wolverine solo movie? It's just the Wolverine. The Wolverine. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Uh and they she was rescuing the little baby thing and they're bringing it back to like its mom. Oh, and yeah. she's like, wait, this is food. It's like, I, 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 I. Yeah. She's like, oh, Fluff, I was doing. Yeah. I was helping the bad guys. Like, yeah, Alex was helping the bad. Yeah, go for me. And I don't know. I I had a blast with it. This one, I definitely liked it better than the second one. I think the first one is still up there. Is kind of the best, just because it was that fresh idea, and mm-hmm. you know, you've uh-huh. seen this world completely differently. But that being said. I, there's everything to like about this and Mm -hmm. i I like the fact that as you get further and further in these books the more and more you almost realize it's about larry and not gertrude like yeah as much as she's supposed to be the main character and he's the ancillary like he keeps on taking more and more center stage and gets the best lines gets the best moments and lane like you said i feel so bad for him i just want to go give him a hug and then squeeze him really hard so he dies because that's what he wants yeah. So Larry's really the emotional grounding and center for it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Because yeah, if you didn't have Larry there, then it's just mayhem and it'd be a story without a soul, right? Even though yeah. she finds her. Well, but also I think part of that we talked about the reset thing. I think part of it is, is that she part of her appeal is that she doesn't evolve as a character. Like she's always the same fucking right. character. So it's like it's it's part of the appeal learn. of that character, but it doesn't make for great long-term storytelling. Like you have to reset and put this character with a very defined personality in different positions in order to move the story along, not necessarily to develop the character. And so Larry, who has far more depth than almost any other character in Fairyland, uh, is I think ends up becoming center stage later on because like he obviously becomes the more interesting character to kind of write. I don't know if, I mean, I, obviously I can't speak for uh, Scotty Young, but like I don't know if it started out that way or just as he was going on being like, oh yeah, this guy's more interesting, you know? Or started identifying with him more as he's like being beat up by editors <laughs> and whatnot, being like, yeah, no, I get it, Larry, it's okay. You know, I, I I would say it's probably one of like the as he wrote it kind of he figured it out because mm-hmm. you ask anyone who does any kind of creative writing whether it's like famous authors uh or even just people who do it uh for like national writing month not novel writing month is 
I think a lot of the times as you're writing, you end up in a place you didn't expect. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, how did this get here? And how is this now the most important point of my story book, whatever. And the way this kind of plays out makes it feel like as he was going through, he's like, oh, this is the really right. cool part. Let's, let's jump into this and let's kind of push him along. So it's still all about Gertrude, but more and more he's finding his way into the limelight. And I think it was at the end of the last one when he finally dies and he's mm-hmm. so excited about it. That's where I was like, okay, I can see where they're going with this. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and also speaking of that, I've been watching the the Beatles Get Back documentary thing on Disney Plus. Okay, and it's it's really interesting to watch. Uh, Lena looks at me. Sorry, do you know what this is? Lena? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there's this interesting thing in there I, where I don't because I'm in I'm in screening season. So okay, so basically Lena. what happens is is that they were at one point in time uh, for the Get Back album, they were going to make a do a live performance, and then they were filming the rehearsal process in order to make a documentary to go along with the live performance because they don't really perform live very often. They decided that they wanted to do an album basically as a live performance, essentially a live Beatles album. And so they had all this footage they were filming. Well, for various reasons, things didn't work out the way they did, but they have all this footage. And then so they end up not doing the live performance and going and doing the album in the studio. But it basically is this documentation of the Beatles making their last album. And you sort of, it's really interesting because you see far more of the creative process. It's not like you sort of think like the Beatles at the end of their life were like at each other's throats. Like, no, they were actually getting along just fine. You know what I mean? I think they were all a little bit tired of it and they all had sort of frustrations from being in the band for that long. But the weird thing about it is, is watching them develop songs that you know, because you've heard them your entire life and watch them like sing a slightly different version or search for the right word to use for things like um, uh, originally get back was like uh, about uh, racism in England against the Pakistani people. You know what I mean? But like, Mm. it ends up being about, you know, uh, people in America, really. Like, it it, it transitions very sharply, but it's just interesting to watch them kind of work their way through it. Because I don't know, it's just, I think because of the loftiness of the Beatles, you sort of always think that like, they were just brilliant right off the bat. And so it's just really interesting to watch their brains go back and forth with each other and try to figure things out and talk through things. And so like, that was part of like, just putting on top of the development of Larry, I think that sort of also speaks to a little bit of that as well, where you sort of like discover that character and discover what's going on there. But yeah, um, I also, I like this book a lot. The other thing this kind of reminded me of, has anybody ever seen uh, Risk, Risk Cutters, A Love Story? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's mm-hmm. on Sundance, actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and for those of you who haven't seen it, who are listening, um, basically it's a guy who, his girlfriend dies, he kills himself to go be with his girlfriend, and he's in hell, and hell is exactly like Earth, but just a little tweaked. So like, as we're sitting here, one leg on my chair would be slightly lower than the other so i could never fully get comfortable in my chair like it just it does shit like that my other favorite part of that is that there's a black hole underneath the passenger seat of uh, a car they're in on a road trip and when you drop something in there it is gone forever because it's a black hole and will disappear so um also and starring, it's starring patrick fugit mm-hmm. yes from salt lake city utah <laughs> a local boy Salt like Zone. yeah salt lake Zone. patrick fugit uh Who was so girlfriend in that uh, uh shannon sossaman oh, okay. so, no she's the one that he ends up with uh it's the girl from Leslie um, Bibb. No, I thought it was the. Oh, maybe it is. I don't remember. Is, is the what one I'm thinking do you of? Is, think it is. I'm thinking of the woman who is in Knight's Tale and then is in Rules of Attraction. Yeah, that's her. That's Shannon. I think that's how you say her name. Sossaman, Sossaman. Yeah. Okay. But she's not the girlfriend. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I really remember the hell being slightly tweaked thing more than anything else. But I don't <laughs> think it's hell. I thought it was. It was just like was a, it purgatory? Um, I think it was like yeah, limbo it's purgatory. Or oh, okay. It's like limbo. Yeah. Um, 
Cause they're like, try, it's like, they don't, you know, everybody that commits suicide doesn't, they don't go to hell. They don't go to heaven. They just go to limbo and it's just slightly worse than the normal life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. Great. Good things to look forward to. <laughs> Love that movie though. It's a great movie. Oh, Leslie Bibb was his ex-girlfriend. Yes. Cause he, he took his life and then she took hers right after. That's right. I haven't seen it probably since I saw it. So, I saw it probably when I was living in North Carolina, I think probably with Lena. And I don't think I've seen it since. Yeah, I haven't watched it in years, but I um but he meets Shannon when he gets to okay. Limbo. So I've yeah. seen a few and other then, movies and read a few books since then, so I don't remember all the details. And then Leslie Bibb is from the show, if anyone remembers it was only on for two seasons, popular on the WB. Yeah, I was totally down for that. <laughs> She was also in the skulls with Joshua Jackson. Oh, like that one about like the skull and bones, like the. (laughs) Oh, I do remember that one of that movie. Also not a great movie, but I remember that one. Oh, it's a horrible movie, but it's yeah. also wonderful at the same time. I mean, it has so many people in it, and it's just, I don't know. I really liked it. Anyway, yeah. back to the story. I realized yesterday, I was doing a, a panel for LA Comic Con, and I realized I have a really weird knowledge of like obscure movies, where I can keep track of people who review movies professionally of like weird references to movies, where I'll be like, oh, but I have to say this was really funny. So I lost the game show, and that episode, I think think is going to air it's it's going to be an episode of uh uh a cast off on uh, matinee spoiling Heroes. It? i'm not spoiling it i guess i am spoiling it yes i lose but go ahead and go listen well, to wait, but this comes out later no this come out before this yeah, comes out in january yeah. that episode's going to okay. come out in february but oh, there we'll be a few weeks ahead of them yeah yeah we'll be a few weeks ahead of them anyway the funny thing about it was is that i had already lost mathematically but they had us say our last choice simultaneously which i should have known as a setup and i picked the exact same actor for the last role as the dude I was going up against. Um, so, uh, which, you know, so anyway, I, w- I won't ruin that part. I'll make that be a surprise. Actually, I've already fucking ruined it. We both picked Salminio. Anyway, I've ruined all of this shit anyway. It doesn't matter. Moving on. This is great. <laughs> hey, when you talk about... So you talk about bad movies, and yeah. I um, found out that one of my favorite movies that hasn't been on, on anything other than VHS for many moons yeah. um, is now available on Amazon Prime, and uh, you can buy it on Apple TV. And I, I bought it because I um, refused to lose this movie again, and it is called Sidekicks. And it is starring Jonathan about- Brandis and oh, no, I know Chuck story. Norris. I haven't seen that movie forever. Oh my God. Oh. I cannot explain to you how excited I was because I still have my original VHS. I don't even have a VCR and I still have the VHS because I absolutely adore this movie. It has Joe Piscopo. It has the actor that played Bull in Night Court. Uh, Richard Mull. Um, Why do I know huh? that? Who the fuck? Does, his name is Richard Mull. <laughs> Why the fuck yeah. do I know and that? Then, um, and then uh, it also has Mako and Bo Bridges. It's and uh, Danica McKellar that played Winnie in Wonder Years. Like It has so many people in this movie. And the fact that Ch- I always tell people that Chuck Norris is in one of my favorite movies and they're like, you're lying. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> one of my favorite movies is a Chuck Norris movie. And so um, I absolutely, it's, a, it, don't get me wrong. Like, please don't watch this and think it's going to be Oscar winner. It's not. <laughs> I think it has like a 30 or 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is not a great movie, but if you want something campy that is going to make you laugh out loud and and it's just like goofy in so many ways because it's through the minds of like a, a teenager, 
You need to watch it. It is so good. It's Amazon Prime. It's fucking wonderful. I am so happy that it's available digitally. <laughs> I can't even explain to you. I mean, this movie is the whole reason I took karate for two years. Like, this is it's 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 so bad, but it's so good. So yeah, like they make explosive gum in it. Like, uh, and the whole premise is like the main character has really bad asthma, and so he can't do a lot of things. But he's obsessed with Chuck Norris and Chuck Norris movies, and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's freaking wonderful. So, yeah. See, your thing of that is the way I felt about Three Ninjas. Oh, yeah. Because Three Ninjas was my jam as a kid. I, I, I'm i sure it's out there on streaming or somewhere else. But um, Is yeah, that the I, one I, that with was one would... um, Rob Schneider in it? I don't know if Rob Schneider's in it. No, Rob Schneider is in a movie like that. Let me look it up. Go, please continue. Am I, so they made two uh, or three, three sequels. Get back or something. They did yeah. a sequel or two to Three Ninjas. Yeah, Three Ninjas Kick Back. That was... I don't know if that was a second or third one. So there were three four of them. them. No, there's, oh, there's four. four of them. Because you had three wow. ninjas. You had three ninjas knuckle up. Knuckle three up. ninjas kick back, and then you had them. Knuckle up Hogan. sounds like an innuendo if ever I heard one. Yeah. <laughs> and you have high noon at Mega Mountain with Hulk Hogan. I want to say surf ninjas. I was thinking of surf ninjas in 1993. Oh, so that's a great one too. I love surf ninjas as well. That sounds like a, ter- a terrible. I oh, mean, it's got awful. It's surf completely ninjas. horrible. However. <laughs> However, it does uh, have, you know, a movie's great. I just have to put this out there. If you look on IMDb and the, because they put the four top billed actors in there. If at least one of them does not have a photo, let alone two, you know that no one from that movie did well. Uh, And like, like literally on there, I'm showing you on camera, two people there do not have photos. (laughs) Like high quality film right there. So I I was just on Wikipedia with three ninjas and the kid who played like the main kid, Rocky, like he was in three of them. (laughs) It said after that, he left acting by choice it's like, oh, shit, Sherlock. <laughs> you weren't even good in that movie <laughs> yeah and when you get to the third one in a series it's obviously like two of them came out in the same year so it's obvious they were just like Direct straight video. to dv straight yeah. to vhs like yeah we gotta connect with this while we still have the well kids are still in their ninja classes which was actually probably just karate and they didn't know better uh but yeah i hadn't thought about that movie sidekicks in forever oh i mean God. same thing with surf ninjas or three ninjas and i used to love those as a kid that one, and there was one uh, dinosaur town or something where these kids go back in time and they end up in a world where dinosaurs exist. They're like people in costumes kind of thing. Oh, I vaguely oh, know. I, I kind of know what you're talking about. Anyway, when we start a movie podcast of obscure shit you shouldn't watch, we'll uh, we'll figure that one there out. There you go. Adventures there in Dinosaur go. City. Ah. That's what it was. And it was I a call whole it cinema movie that I loved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There are so many bad movies that I just have like such a fondness in my heart for where it's just like, I don't know if it just hit me at the right time. And that's why I love it. Like most of my favorite movies with, with the exception of Dirty Dancing, just because uh, Johnny Castle was my first love. Um, most of the movies that I still, that I loved from when I was little, I think are just like, they're all like kind of indie. No one really knows them. They didn't really do really well in theaters or anything, but the more cult classics than anything like empire records. But like, <laughs> um, I don't, I think it just, certain movies just hit you at the right time that you just will always love them regardless of how good or bad they are. <laughs> Well, I think there's also something to be said. Like, there are definitely movies that I have 
watched and loved and then they do not age well like for some mm-hmm. reason whenever you were in that headspace they're awesome i also think that like when you're younger you have more time to seek out more stuff so you just see more stuff like i you know i don't know if i've watched nearly as many independent films in real life as i did when i was in like school and you know college mm-hmm. and all sorts of shit like like i love that stuff but like i don't have the fucking time and also right now i don't want to go to a fucking theater people like yeah. movie theater people are horrible i got like that's the thing is like i understand people not wanting to stream things but i don't want to go to the theater because i just don't fucking like people like they're just especially in california they're really fucking annoying in the movies i have had to leave yeah. so many movies because people will not shut the fuck up or turn off this is why i only go to alamo draft house it is the only reason i go because i the ticket is cheaper Mm -hmm. they are like super adamant about you not like being loud Mm -hmm. or anything and if they and they'll even have special um like screenings for kids that like will cause a ruckus Mm -hmm. or anything like that so that it's still very inclusive so they'll have special screenings for people that it's like you can talk through them and everything like that but for a majority of it it's like you talk you're out like yeah, you get on your phone there's no yeah exactly and that's why i i love alamo draft house it is the only it's the only theater i go to anymore and if there's one in the area like i don't even bother with anything else because um i hate people too <laughs> but i also haven't been to a theater in a very long i think the last thing i saw in a theater was knives out like during thanksgiving of 2019 or Christmas of 2019 or whenever it came out like that was the last movie I saw least your last movie was a great movie so it was yeah. a great movie I will give you that I really loved it so yeah well see and, and Todd can attest to this so as far as movie theaters go like I only go when they're their critic screenings and so it's very much the same as Alamo Drafthouse where it's like you pull your phone out or your talk I'll get you kicked out of the movie like it's just because yeah going with no and even then if you have a public screening it's like because it just gets people talk with this and that and it's like dude here like first of all i get you're here to enjoy a movie and i want to enjoy the movie i'm also the one who has to go and like write about it afterwards so while i am here having hopefully a good time like i'm working like this is it's fun but it's also a job still so um also fun side note so the main character the main kid in dinosaur city was max and hocus pocus so that's how they're trying to remember that who also was uh remember that he was in the TV show um, Erie, Indiana. Erie, Indiana. Mm-hmm. That's I right. love Erie, Indiana. I do too, or I did, and I tried to watch it recently streaming. It was not as easy to watch as I remember it being. I, There's a I, lot of shows like that. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, yes. now, now that we've fully derailed ourselves completely, Mr. Todd, what is your grade for this book? You know, I'll give it a B. I had a lot of fun with it. Okay. So, yeah. Mr. Adam? I'll go with an A minus. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the second one. Uh, and it was just goofy fun. And the labyrinth part of it will always make me giggle as she gets proposed <laughs> to over and over and over again. I wish I would have known about those pages or remember those pages before I proposed to Ellen because I probably would have done something with that just for fun. Um, Lena. Uh, I'm also going to go with Adam at A minus. I really liked it. And the best part of that page is when she and Larry's there and she's like, don't even like, don't <laughs> do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I just and I, it's great. The part where she's like, can we marry me? She's like, sure. Why not? Yeah. If I survive, I got to marry him or I got to marry you. It doesn't fucking matter anymore. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, the, the last panel of that page is it's Larry in front of her and she's like, don't even think saying it. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Um, I'm going to go with an A minus as well. I'm in agreement with you. I really liked it. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to add. Uh, so next week we are finishing up I Hate Fairyland with book four entitled uh, Sadly Never After, um, the ending of our epic tale of uh, Fairyland. Um, and uh, we'll see uh, what happens to good Gert uh, in the end of all things. Uh, any else? But it more matters what happens to Larry. It does more ha- matter what happens to Larry, yes. So anyway, with that being said, uh, thank you all for joining us and we will see you all later. Yes, I hear you. Sorry. My dog is whining. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay. We're going to press stop now. Go press stop here. Put your paw right there. Put your paw right there. Ready? And stop.